Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to The Sweet Spot, where IT leaders share the ideas with other IT leaders. And as always, we have our host, Paul and Howard. And today we have a great guest with us. His name is Praveen Valkaran, and he is a VP of Global IT. Hey, Praveen, how are you doing? How are you? Great. Glad to be here. And it has been a great week. We have seen a lot of changes in the industry with a lot of different things. And looking at what we're doing, I would like to pass the ball to Paul and Howard. Paul and Howard, what have you been doing in the last week or anything like that that you can share with the, with the audience? So the last week really has been spent uh, advising customers and other companies on kind of how to handle a pandemic. Right. This is this is new for all of us. The last time anything like this remotely happened uh, was the 1920s for the Spanish flu. Uh, we were not a global economy. We were not a technology economy. Right. It was a it was a previous uh, industrial state completely. So this is brand new for all of us. And I've been cooped up in my house cage. There's only so many times you can swim in your pool and <laughs> uh, and and play bowling in your in your. <laughs> In your inside courts, it's, it's such it's such a hard life. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, walking up and down that hallway by those bookcases. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's so many. There's only so many large screen movies you can watch. <laughs> so, Praveen, a little bit about you. Give us a little bit of of background, uh, your area, what you've been doing in the last couple of weeks before we jump into the topic for for this week. Yeah, absolutely. So my background, you know, uh, my name Praveen Balkaran, my background's been for about 25 years or so across multiple industries in IT, seen a lot, have not seen this before, um, you know, but in the last couple of weeks is about as, as Paul and, and Howard has alluded to, um, you know, it's really learning and adapting in this situation at this point. There's a lot of learnings that's played out in the last few weeks. And, um, you know, figuring out almost on a daily basis, I'm happy to say, you know, from, from my perspective, things are settling down a little bit. But, um, you know, there's a lot of learnings there for the future and to go forward of how we look at IT and critical systems going forward. And that goes directly into one of the questions that a lot of times we see is that when we work on IT, we take a lot of precautions, we put SOPs together, we put different standards. But this thing that we're going through, it was unprecedented. So how do we on IT look from a strategic point, from what you have seen that you have been dealing with, that what are the changes that we have to go through and that you have seen that you have had to do for your folks and probably all the coworkers or other leaders that you know for IT? Yeah. You know, I'd start with Carlos, um, the asset that we, in every organization that is our core asset, our people. I think um, getting through the last couple of weeks for me had a lot to do with how my team um, was prepared to handle it. And it's, it's not something to your point. You know, there isn't an SOP for team preparedness for this from just a mental stamina perspective, just from all of the things that really need to align for you to continue to support the organization, right? It's an organization now of, you know, you're, you're talking a couple of thousands uh, uh, branch offices. And when you're looking at an IT staff that is not in a couple of thousands, I'm sure other organizations are looking at it, is what strategies are you gonna leverage 
to stay ahead of this, right? First is, is just really uh, moving with the wave and not, not get you know, you know, flooded with what's going on. And I think it was very important to have the mindset, uh, the energy of the teams first and foremost prepared for this, right? From my, my team is, is, you know, questions were asked, are you ready for this? Response from my guys and my team is we were born for this, right? It's, it's time to step up and it's time to make things happen. Um, you know, lots of nerves. It's uncharted territories for, for sure. But one of the things I focus on as a leader is really the energy of my team. And, and I think that's been playing out. And I think a lot of IT leaders are, are doing the same things. I'm glad you said that. It is very consistent. The conversations I have is about sort of a people-centric concern. And it's either people-centric capability, like we talked last time, or people-centric resiliency, or even people-centric cybersecurity. And then sort of all wrapped in, well, what do I do with my projects now? Like most of the activities you perform on a day-to-day -day basis is activity within some sort of project, either to uh, implement a new feature function and application or to even have a project to create more capacity. It's all sort of project-centric. How do I do that when I'm by myself in my, in my home office instead of in a room with people? Mm -hmm. It's also been interesting to see how some of the teams have had to dust off skills they don't really use, like watching uh, architects dust off their customer service skills, because ultimately when things like this happen, things like this, when, when major critical crises occur, it's all hands on deck doing whatever is necessary. You almost roll back to a startup mode regardless of how big you are, right? And so all of a sudden you've got a an enterprise architect that's having to deal with a customer service call of somebody that's now just become a remote worker and seeing people have to kind of dust off those skills and move out of their comfort zone because, well, frankly, I don't need an enterprise architect doing enterprise architecture when the entire world has been told, stay home, you can't leave your house and none of those buildings are any good, right? I don't need to worry about my project management when I really need to be worried about um, the logistics of moving 2,000 uh, people from desktops to remote work. Everyone is service desk. Everyone is is laptop management. Everyone is deployment. Right. And it's, yeah. it's also a really good time to look at your teams too and see, um, do I have the right people in positions of, of team connectivity, right? Do I have people who are just flat out aren't team players? And stuff like this is going to reveal that. It's a really good time to kind of pay attention to that and see during this chaos, um, you know, what leaders that I, that I didn't previously identified are all of a sudden rising to the kind of, to that leadership level are immediately kind of stepping forward and taking command and other people are falling behind them. Kind of who are my natural leaders that maybe I didn't identify before because the boxes that we all kind of live in exist in kept them there. Yeah. I think you said it best, um, Howard previously is that, um, it's a great time to lead. Right. Um, and for leaders, it's also a great time for, as you just said, for other team members to step up and lead too as well. Very important. And, and leading is critical to be able to have success because like you mentioned, you went from having everybody probably in the same, let's say couple of locations, to now a distributed, a massive distributed environment where now people are remote. Um, some of them may have good connectivity, some of them will not. How, how have you seen that that affect the service or whatever you're doing from a protecting, providing the solutions that they need to just continue doing the regular work for me? 
Yeah, I mean, there has been some impact. I think by and large, most most folks are productive. But then you're you're in the industry I am, the organization I'm in, you're talking about now, how do I get the folks that are consuming, producing large amounts of data, rich content, web content, um, uh, um, video content, how to continue to get them working at the level of productivity they need to get to. And so it's a bit challenging because you're looking at home internet connections at this point and, and the speed and agility of which they can get upgraded. That's number one. Number two, you're also taking into consideration now all of the dynamics that are happening. Well, now that this demand is on the users and their home connection, which normally for them, you know, they're happy with whatever bandwidth they have for their personal consumption. You're adding the organization's need to that too as well. So where do we meet halfway now with our employees distributed uh, globally on who covers the cost for that? So here's everything that's coming at us, but we also need to, to keep an eye on what are we doing for cost, especially now in an environment where every organization is, is sort of planning for the extended impact of COVID beyond quarters, right? So you're trying to keep your costs down, but you're trying to, you're trying to enable more productivity. And so it's a balancing act uh, almost on a daily basis as we, we go here and we learn and we adapt. So one of the things that I saw, I was reading this morning, is 74% of CFOs want some form of work at home, large-scale work at home, to continue post-COVID. And I found that to be a really interesting statistic because one of the things that I always said um, previously was, I, I don't want to own a data center. The reason I don't want to own a data center is because I can't ever get rid of that building. Like, typically, we build a data center, and then we build 13 stories on top of that. Why? Because we've already invested in this massive cost of the data center. As soon as I do that, I'm now stuck with this building, regardless of how things change. Um, and real estate is really expensive, right? It's, it's 180 square feet to 250 square feet per employee that you have in a building that you're paying for, and you're paying roughly $2 per square foot per month on average. Right? The question, of course, is if you're in the real estate industry, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> if you own buildings or condos or, you know. Yeah. But, but, but we don't do that today, right? So, so kind of talking through that, um, what do you see as, as kind of positive futures? Um, yeah. Are there lessons that you're already taking that you're like, we need to, like, we're already looking to continue some of this moving forward? Are there things that you've decided you are, things that you're looking at, and things you're like, we don't ever want to do this again? Yeah, Post-COVID, do, do you look the same? Do you operate in the same model? My, from my perspective, I don't, I don't believe so. I think one of the learnings here is, you know, I might break it into two parts of it. Um, productivity, right? There's always that question on how productivity are we, how productive are we able to be uh, working from home? Or is access to resources going to be the same? Is the collaboration with uh, folks that you need to be um, collaborating with if you're designing a, a product? Is it going to be the same? One of the learnings out of this is, in fact, and the feedback, which is great feedback, is we're actually seeing a, a rise in productivity in a lot of areas because what's happening is, and, I, and, I, and I, I credit that to the technologies being executed on for this remote purposes. Video conferencing, we're, we're big organizations, as ourselves are big on it, but the availability and the reliability, Paul, you talked about the capacity um, on the tech side, the capacity is there. It can handle anything. And so I think it's, it's, it's we're learning that, you know, productivity is not going to be sacrificed in a, to a large extent, um, in, a, in a remote work from home sort of um, uh, um, 
agreement going forward, right? Uh, we see it happening, especially if you're an organization where expansion is something you're trying to get a grip on to as well. Business is growing, so you need to expand. It, you know, we will probably start to look at um, ways of how we can contain that expansion from a square footage perspective, right? Is it now a hoteling sort of arrangement? Some people come in at certain times of the week when they absolutely need to. Um, and then and work from home uh, the remainder of the time. One of the, one of the other great positives and learnings here is that, you know, leveraging that workforce to what I call it is really put a hyperdrive around, you know, some digital transformation activities where we were largely focused on at, at pre-COVID, I would say, uh, core business processes, right? Mission critical today looks quite different. Mission critical today looks to make sure from, from an organization that is deep in, in um, collaboration and distribution of that collaboration globally, video conferencing is key. Um, being able to reach people when you need them is key. So for me now, when I look at it, is one of the feedbacks I'm getting is, as a result of having the technologies in place, our productivity is probably increased because people are saying, you know, they go from meetings to meetings to meetings to meetings, and they're on time. Right. So the time that I would spend bumping into somebody in the hallways, um, you know, chatting for five minutes before the next meeting, all of that's gone. I mean, those are great things. And I think we'll start, we will start missing those things because you don't really appreciate it, uh, that disconnect from meetings. But, you know, it's also going to help um, with decisions around how much square footage wise do we need to, to expand when you're expanding and growing the business. About the actual CPG business, right? The traditional CPG business, design, uh, create, distribute, uh, you know, package up, get to the end, retailer, sell, go through process again. Um, now that you might be spending less time getting goods to store and spending more time getting goods to home, do you now have to have different supplier relationships? Does your supply chain look dramatically different where you might have had a thousand store endpoints, you now have several million house endpoints? Uh, does uh, what happens in the market where Christmas is very important to some CPG and some not? Does your cycles change because of it? Um, not so much in that for, for definitely there's an uptick in uh, e-com demand. And mostly our channels are through mass distribution, mass retailers, right? And so you're seeing a lot of changes in, in our industry around where there are items that are not uh, moving, there are activity sort of items that, and games items that's really picking up. Uh, through the supply chain, you know, the, the, the supply, um, as, as we go into a number of weeks now of COVID, the supply is coming back online, but the demand is, is, is slowing because of those mass retailers and specifically what they're looking for in, in, in to satisfy their online requirements. So you're seeing changes from that perspective. I don't see, you know, from a, from a retailer perspective, absolutely, I would see that there needs to be um, some real changes need to get done. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Canada. E-commerce, like have you from, had to dramatically e increase your e-commerce requirements because you have a lot of direct purchases or differently where... Uh, you sell to to uh, sort of store chain, store chain worries about getting to store. Uh, you now have to think about getting to store or only worrying about getting to distribution. Like, does that sort of change the process here? 
Not, not really. We're still worried about getting to distribution channels or mass retailers. From our perspective, the direct-to-consumer model, uh, for various reasons, hasn't really um, been impacted by this because there's some limitations too as well we've got from a direct-to-consumer model with items that mass retailers may have. So we haven't seen much. I will tell you from a new business model going forward and strategies-wise, which I believe is already in play, is to expand in that area more. And, and from that perspective, you know, it would be an impact um, going forward. But as of right now, uh, as it relates to, to my organization anyways, is there hasn't been that much of an impact from a D to C from our perspective. Ecom through our mass retailers um, and items that we need to get there that, that's in demand uh, still follows that our traditional uh, supply, um, supply chain um, path. Right. So one of the things I kind of want to, go back to a little bit is you talked about the change in, in what's well, ultimately a change in communication, right? Um, human beings, we have two forms of major communication. We have active communication and passive communication. Active communication is uh, basically what we're doing right now, right? We're actively right. involved in some sort of communication. It's bi-directional. It involves listening and responding um, versus passive communication is things like mailing a letter or email or even chat because I can take all the time I need to consume what I'm receiving, compose my response, and then send my response. And those are three very separate activities versus now it's a, it's a very active, active kind of communication. Um, I think when it comes to task workers, that's where we're probably gonna see the biggest bump up in productivity, right? Because task workers, all of those minor interruptions that happen throughout the day, um, end up stacking up and, and really dragging down productivity and being able to focus on whatever the task is that you're assigned, the, the responding to tasks as they come in becomes far more efficient the more isolated you become. Doesn't mean that you, you don't go mad, right? But you do become more efficient. Now, where I, so, so I think with task work, we're, gonna, we're seeing a huge bump. We're also seeing the amazing kind of result of, oh, that meeting could in fact have been an email. Mm -hmm. Right, meetings become harder to, to coordinate, not easier to coordinate in some ways, right? So if it's not your standard, you know, your, your kind of stand-up meeting, but rather a meeting about something specific, people are now looking at it going, well, meetings are, are not something that I'm faced with, not, I can't go into a room, I can't see all the people, so instead, I'm just gonna send an email. Yeah. And I think we're actually seeing a significant drop that way, which is fantastic. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with, with what you're saying. It's consistent with what we're learning, right? Um, I would add that the other thing that's pop, popping up, and I think that the task worker example is a great example, um, but what's also popping up is that those situations where somebody would have popped over by your desk and just ask a quick question, what's happening now is they're dropping a, a video meeting in your calendar and sure. say, okay, I need to ask this question. And hence why the meetings are going from meetings to meetings to meetings to meetings to meetings, right? Uh, so on one hand, you are getting, there's a, there's a sort of filtering out of, you know, this really doesn't require a meeting. We can, I can get an email off and it's done. But that I find is being filled, the gap of that is being filled with all of the walk-ups because in, in, in the environment when everybody's together, you've got the walk-ups plus you've got the meeting books booked. So what's happening, you're late to those meetings because you're dealing with the walk-ups. You're pushing those meetings off now, but the walk-ups, the five, 10 minute conversations are dropping back in your calendar. I need, I need a face-to-face -face on this quickly. It's five minutes and we're gonna get it done. Some of that conversation happened while you were also walking down the hallways to your next meeting. 
Um, so again, it, it, it's, it's all settling in and playing out. And, and, and I think we're getting into a rhythm of how it's all going to feel, you know, within the next couple of weeks or so. But then if I switch it up a little bit more and I go back to the IT side of things, <clears throat> and you mentioned it before, right? I think Paul, both yourself and Howard, Howard mentioned it is all hands on deck, right? Uh, at, at architecture level, at the admins level, the security level, because the security guys are now level one guys. Our existence is to support the organization, right? Um, and, and so everybody's on deck. And you'd find the architects are now finding ways to architect um, customer service. What is the best way? And so some of the things that's really helping my team is, is gotten themselves into virtual rooms. And how that's really transitioned and played out to service to the organization is responsiveness. If there's one word I can put on it, anybody that needs to needs help knows where to go, right? And, and when you're settling home and we've got platforms to triage incidents and all that good stuff is great. But when everybody's scrambling, nobody's thinking about going and entering a ticket. They're home. I want to get up and running now. So being able to reach the folks that can get you up and running now, I think is, a, is, is one of the things that needs to be focused on. But on the flip side to that too, as well, as I said in the beginning, there's also a component of the responsiveness uh, relating to the energy of all of the folks that needs to make it happen because they're also people. They're also worried about their families, worried about their self safety and health through this uh, pandemic. And so it's important, you know, to really keep that energy up because when somebody comes for help and they see somebody that's vibrant and, and energetic and ready to help them, you know, it's a different feel. It's a different vibe it creates and, and it just sort of calms everything down. Is there, a, is there a flip side negativity too, where uh, now that everybody's home, everybody's on, and therefore you're never off, right? Absolutely. So what, what was a seven hour day with an hour commute each way now is a 12 hour day, um, and then I'll still work a little bit more, right? Yes. I'm available, you just have to click the button. In fact, some leaders are keeping their Zoom open. That is their open door policy. You yep, walk yep. in and out of their Zoom as if you're walking in and out of their office. Well, there's no off at that point, Correct. especially if you don't do that. Like yourself, you lead a team around the world. Well, that means 724. You're don't, yeah. don't do that. Don't, don't do that. That's I, I terrible. Agree. Don't do that. Pretend you're a college professor and set office hours. I will have Zoom up from four to six on this day, from two to four on this, like, right? Yeah. I, th I think, you know, and, and again, I, I agree with you, Howard. Paul, I, man, <laughs> uh, I think that the, what, what we did or what we thought about is, is listen, at the, at the end of the day, during the days, people go for coffee, you go for a smoke, you, you, there's these little breaks that happens. The team, and this is where I think leadership comes in, is, is recognizing these things, right? Try to, try to simulate that as much as you can. I mean, you still have the options of walking away, take a break, walk away to five for five to 10 minutes because you're home or you could still go outside as far as I know anyway, um, to take a walk. So that is highly encouraged because again, it is about that energy because you know, we're in this for, for another few weeks and burnout is going to become an issue. Um, but in a combination with if people are still not working smoothly from home and all of the calls are escalating through the service desk and you've got the same guys are in there from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, you're going to have burnout. So a large part of that is to ensure that they manage their energy. Take your breaks, walk away, go take your coffee break. It doesn't stop, right? Virtualize that environment still. And teams, you know, I've seen across organizations across the world, teams are breaking out into social events on 
video conferencing calls. And I think it's really great. It's not going to be perfect in the beginning, but you're going to find things happening. Teams are breaking out into yoga sessions. Teams are breaking out into MMA sessions at lunch times, right? So cardio sessions. So those are all great things. You know, I'd encourage um, that these teams continue to do to simulate that environment as much as possible. Plus, as leaders, we really have to push things like statutory religious holidays, right? So Good Friday is a holiday. There isn't an expectation you're on Zoom, right? Uh, Earth Day in the US on next Wednesday, there isn't an expectation you're going to get and have meetings and do work and read and uh, do your training. That's, that should not be the expectation. Absolutely. It, it, is, it is time with your family and we need to encourage you to take that time. Absolutely. But I would say there's more than that. Like as leaders, it's incumbent upon us to remember we pay people for 40 hours a week. Right. Not 70, 40 hours a week, right? I always had a rule. You're allowed 45 hours a week. You do what you need to do, work as much as you need to. At the 46th hour, I expect to have an email and a conversation about why. Why do you feel you need to work 46 hours, right? Is there an expectation that's set wrong? Have I put too much on your plate? Like what's going on here that causes that? Because I found if, if I didn't set that expectation, people would work 50 and 60 hours a week and they weren't really helping themselves. Right. Statistically, at 30 hours of work a week, our productivity actually goes down, not up. And at 60 hours for two weeks, it's almost impossible to get it back, to get your productivity levels to rise back. It takes months to start getting this time back. And now is a time where we really have to start paying attention to that. We really start to have to realize that having people, because they're home, having them on call all the time, having them on Zoom all, all the time, and even things like a Zoom happy hour, that still requires energy, especially if you're dealing with a lot of introverts, right? Like right. that stuff would drive me crazy. I need to be able to turn off. And all of these events now are having me stay on longer and longer and longer and stay connected longer and longer and longer and keep me in this work-focused mood longer and longer and longer. We really, it's really incumbent upon leaders to recognize that it's 40 hours a week. Anyone that's doing more than 45 hours a week, you as a leader need to know why and be able to justify it. I'm not saying don't do it, right? Praveen, to your point, security went from six points of entry, we're going to say, to 2,000 points of entry. Right. Every single endpoint is now a point of entry. You have no firewall that you control to, to, to manage that, to maintain that. Um, and so for security, it changed significantly, but it doesn't, you didn't all of a sudden then get to add 10 times the number of people and bring them up to speed, right? Into, right? You're dealing with the same staff that you had before, potentially less, especially if some of them are sick or dealing with family issues, right? Um, but it still doesn't mean that you get to then go, well, sorry guys, you're all now working 120 hours a week. It's nice to know you. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you later. See me on zoom. If you need something like it's still incumbent upon us to remember that we 40, 40 hours a week and every minute beyond that, we need to be able to, to justify and, and recognize and acknowledge and figure out some way to, to, to not only talk to the employees individually and say, look, I, I recognize the above and beyond that you're going. Um, and this is what I'd like to do, whether that's, you know, I, I, I'm randomly having pizzas delivered to, to my employees or whatever, right. To, um, the local liquor store started delivering. And so some of them like, like, like to have their happy hours. So I'm comping their happy hour all the way to, I don't want you calling in on Friday for us in, in the U S that's not a holiday. I know I realize none of you are going to call in on Friday, but <laughs> my point, right. All well. 
<laughs> yeah, to go kind of start start really making an effort to recognize this above and beyond that everybody's going and go, look, I can't do a lot about the hours because we just, the load is what the load is. And unfortunately it's not going away right now. But what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to go above and beyond as much as you've gone above and beyond to make sure that this is, that you're as compensated as I can make it, that you're as recognized as, as I can allow it to be, that I, you know, do the virtual handshake, the virtual acknowledgement and really make you feel valuable. Yeah, and I, th I think you said it well. I think it is about the leaders to recognize it and find that balance. What are we going to do about it, right? You mentioned that because it is happening. I think <clears throat> it's not a question whether or not it's not happening. It is happening. What are we going to do now to ensure that we, we, we regain or help our folks to regain that balance? Because, we're, again, we're in this for another few weeks. Yeah. So let's, let's ask you personally, and we've been asking sort of all the technology executives, how has your day-to-day -day life changed before and after? Like, what did you do in the office versus what you're doing now? Have you prioritized your personal work differently uh, four weeks ago than right now? Oh, uh, definitely. So, so pre-COVID, a lot of the attention and focus was on strategic initiatives, um, you know, some forward-looking things as well, but looking at executing what our plan is, Tactically, I guess, uh, uh, for 2020, um, looking at the teams, assessing the capabilities, assessing, you know, people are, are in the, uh, placed in the right place. Our time and resource is focused in the right place. Um, and you had a plan that you're working on. You come in, you level set, everybody's on the same page. Um, so a lot of strategy work, uh, a lot of leadership work around that, a lot of um, organizing the team and, and keeping the ball rolling. Uh, during COVID, that flipped upside down because your focus, and I think you mentioned it, Paul, in, in, in a podcast or one of the podcasts, is, you know, the digital transformation projects. Well, everything's flipped upside down right now, right? Because what your focus is going to be now for 2020 has changed from uh, six weeks ago because you had a plan. That plan drove um, employee performance um, goals, uh, settings. It's all now been flipped upside down. So a lot of the time I spend now on my time is really with my team, bringing that energy, helping them, being available to my team. Also, I have my stakeholders to be accountable to uh, as well. That hasn't gone away, but it's really about, and Howard, you just mentioned it too as well. It's about communication. So what are we going to refocus on? What are we going to set, reset expectations on? How are we going to adjust those goals as it plays out through our performance appraisals for our teams and have, have the focus uh, to move forward? So a lot of the work now for me is uh, the team, 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 um, understanding that still we are doing the right things. There's a lot of tactical um, activities now too as well because the dust is settling a little bit on the remote work, um, but then we have to start planning for What's reintegration going to look like? Um, how are the teams going to reintegrate? Which teams first? Uh, and, and how we're going to do it? So a lot of that now is while you're thinking ahead within that time span, you're still very tactical. You're looking at your overall goals in, 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 as it relates to your strategy. But you're still now very, very tactical in trying to get through the situation. And what I found from my perspective is that, you know, being available to my team, 
uh, readily available to my team. I, you know, give him very positive feedback. We've got a great organization that gives us that feedback and is very appreciative of what's happening. And that helps with energy for my guys, right? Because like you said, my guys right now, there's no distinctions across um, that portfolio right now in IT. My guys means first line support, period. You go to any one of them. That's what my guys mean right now. And that's part, that's me too as well is, you know, getting on that room with them, just, just having conversations. How are we doing? What do you need from me? Um, interfacing with my stakeholders. How are we going to adapt and change here? What do you need now versus, you know, what we were working on? Uh, so it's changed. I think a lot of strategies and leadership to a lot of technical, more leadership happening. If that answers the question. I think there's one more thing that's kind of, kind of become possible right now. And that is really identifying those people that are in leadership that are, that are bosses, that are managers, right? That aren't stepping up and being those leaders that are still maintaining that. You got it. Right. And now is a really, if, if you're in a, in a senior leadership position and you have a bunch of leaders working for you that report direct for you, now is a really good time to take a look at them and go, mm-hmm. did I make the right choice? Do I have people that can in fact lead and not just manage and not just boss? And that's, that's really interesting because one thing that I heard across everyone is that there was a need to redefine what was truly important or what was truly mission critical for the organization. You mentioned maybe some people may need to come in first, but before they come in first, what do we focus on? And you mentioned that you're working with some of your teams to provide people, how to shift people, like you said, uh, Howard, need to switch that mode from boss to leader. What the three of you have seen that is truly mission critical right now in the different organizations? What is really important to keep the business of IT running and the business of the organization running? You know, I, I can probably start before uh, Hart and Paul here. I think one of the big learnings here, um, and that's a tough question I will tell you, Howard, to answer at this point. If I had to tell you what is mission critical, as I feel today, I will run through a list of everything. Why? Because business, a business, and forgive me for saying it this way, a traditional business continuity plan focused on core business processes, right? What are those processes that's going to continue to enable me to recognize revenue? What we've gone through from my experience today is a business replication and continuity plan. Everybody needed to be able to continue to work and do what they're doing today. So that's why for me, it's like, I, to, to wrap your head around it right now, it's really uh, uh, crazy because it's, it's, we, we replicated the business, distributed it globally overnight, literally, right? Uh, mission critical, like I said, I'm, I'm down to, you and I could have argued, you know, six weeks ago that VPN is not mission critical. Why? Because 95% of our organization works in the office. Today, I might tell you, you know, Carlos, we need to have this conversation again because we're not having conversation around my ERP system that's still running in the data center. Nobody, people have really forgotten about that. Right. Right. Is my VPN working? How many calls is it going to generate if one of the VPN uh, appliances go down and a hundred people can't connect like the world at that point, the pressure of the world crashing in 
will be found. Um, can I can I run more than three Excel windows on my machine? So now at the end point, desk side edge or whatever we might call it now, is that machine running the best amount of memory and CPU that it needs mission critical? Right now, my answer would be yes. Because on a design folk, on somebody that's in marketing, on somebody that is working, uh, uh, developing a entertainment content, a video content, absolutely. Right, and you're talking about machines, the high-powered desktops that would sit at the office. How do we get them to have that um, um, speed from a compute perspective? So to answer that question for you right now, it takes a lot of thought, but at the end of the day, probably your next question is gonna be, how do you get there? And it's not if we can get there, is we're gonna to have to get there because there's so much learning from this is, and, and going back to a previous question, I fully expect when we're talking about flex work that there, you know, the benefits to employees and benefits to our people uh, is gonna be great, but then what does that mean from an IT perspective and the tech they need in two locations going forward? Well, you, you, touched on, you touched on something that I, that I find to be interesting. Um, the number one issue that I've seen from my peer group, right? The thing we talk about is uh, VPN. VPN, 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 VPN. And the number of companies that their policy right now is to send an email that says, don't use VPN unless you absolutely need to use the VPN, outnumbers the number of companies that have responded and said, no, our VPN is working fine. By almost 10 to 1. Right? It's not even close. Um, and I would say to kind of double click on the VPN, it's not just that the VPN itself is now mission critical. And I think we'll remain there, but really properly configuring the VPN is mission critical, right? Mm -hmm. Split tunnel VPN. The number of companies that don't have it is enormous. All traffic goes through the VPN. Okay, cool. Well, half of those employees, three quarters of those employees have a Netflix or YouTube window open or a Pandora or a Spotify window open, right? they're streaming some sort of media to fill the blank space that is now there. And they should be allowed to do that. They should be encouraged to do that. It's, it's how you keep your mind working. Um, but to push all that through your VPN, which a lot of these companies are doing, is ridiculous. You shouldn't push anything through the VPN that's not contained within the data center, period. And the number of companies that are doing that is enormous. Now, there's nuance to that. I'm not, you know, but, but ultimately, um, properly configuring that VPN is really important. And another thing that you kind of talked about, right? Um, we focus a lot on performance. Performance, 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 application responsiveness, all that sort of stuff, uh, internally, specifically. Mm -hmm. um, but, but what this has made us really realize is when it's all said and done, accessibility is infinitely more important, mm -hmm. right? How do I make the data easy to get to? How do I make the application easy to get to, easy to find? How do I enable kind of the first level self-service so everybody knows how to get to wherever they need to get to, regardless of the device. And I think right. that's, a, that's kind of a critical thing, right? And so if I were to sum it up, right, what has this taught us that's critical? What this has taught us is know your customer and deliver customer service, right? Absolutely. Morale is important. Yeah, what, what, I, when, I think it's fair to say that IT has always had this server-centric attitude about maintaining and managing applications or data, or they're storage centric versus endpoint centric, right? It shouldn't matter uh, in what way you need to access as long as in fact you can access. So therefore, thinking about just your network from the data center to the telco isn't as important as the desktop to the telco to the data center, 
right? Because now you have all these federated endpoints. And the reality is, if I'm running a five megabit at home, then I'm not going to have the same accessibility as the 100 gig somebody else has, right? So right. that becomes more important to you as the CIO versus your connectivity to one to many telco providers. In fact, you could have 13 of those connectivities. It doesn't make a difference if I can't connect to it from my rural home. So two hours northwest of Toronto, right? Absolutely. That becomes the consideration. And we've always, they, not unlike data, desktop has always been sort of the side effect, right? We put two or three people there. They potentially are the most junior people we have. You know, service desks have the minimum amount of people because it was, you know, ITSM wasn't a huge spend for us, right? Uh, now we have to sort of flip that to say, no, no, no. Absolutely. Accessibility of the applications, accessibility of the data is more important than necessarily the speed to which server connects to storage. Still important, but that shouldn't be our 100% concentration. Yeah, so, you know, in, in, sorry, Harad, go ahead. So one of the things that we've seen is um, uh, software development has switched from, from kind of back end being the number one requirement to the UI UX being the number one requirement, right? Where you're going to see the most success in your software development is in your UI UX. I think IT needs to do the same thing, right? We need to start thinking about CX above and beyond everything else. Customer experience above and beyond everything else. Whoever that customer is for IT, I think, I think in the same way that, that DevOps kind of allowed us to steal, supposed to, have allowed us to steal from, from software development some of their processes and procedures in, in delivering that scalability and reliability to our operations, I think we also need to kind of steal that UI UX focus and really kind of focus on the customer experience because I don't think we've done a good job of it, if I'm being honest. Yeah, traditionally, I'd, I'd have to agree, right? I mean, again, one of the major learnings out of this is being ready to support the user. When you talk about the CX uh, and learning from the UI, UX, and the adoption it drives for that, uh, that package that you're, the uh, software package you're deploying. Similarly, uh, it's all of the learnings that, that you take away from, this is what happens if you're responsive enough and your CSAT score is where it needs to be, right? We have CSAT scores across organizations to measure how we're doing with consumers that are calling into our call centers. Well, you know what? It's, it's so easily overlooked from an IT service delivery perspective that you've got the capability to learn from that because your customers are your employees that you're there to support. And this is a no better situation where that really surfaces. You're seeing... Uh, how it plays out, but more importantly, it's a great learning to see that it, how you can get it done, but still also focus on strategic initiatives as well, right? Um, getting back to your previous point, you know, is it also gives you a holistic view of the team and do you have the right sets? You may have some great people and great personality on the team, but they're not necessarily the right fit for what you need going forward. Right. Um, the other thing I want to touch on to when you talked about security too, as well, you know, this, this concept of, well, in the security world, we talk about confidentiality and integrity and availability, but the concept of zero trust security and getting back to split tunneling, right? I think when we come out of this learning security architecture and the way we look at security architecture, in my opinion, my humble opinion will also change because if there's one thing we will measure, that what is playing out here is, is yes, you, you have the traditional um, um, drive-bys and people trying to break into your firewalls. 
But as it's always been, probably still in the 90%, the exploit is going to come through your people. And really understanding how you've, you've expanded out that, that reach, that security perimeter now to your people at home and how you made it through that is going to be some amazing learning of what your security architecture is going to be. Because look at the stats. Like you, I'm sure you guys are seeing it in your emails and in, in, in your, your blogs, right? The phishing attempts are going up because they know they're going after folks that are home that are not going to be on top of the ball. Our job as service providers to the organization is to provide that service to our folks at home that says, here's how you can help keep yourself safe and us safe. And it comes back to communication. So the zero trust architecture, while I, I still feel it's going to be around, it's how it is implemented. I, I think, in my humble opinion, it's going to change a little bit. So uh, one of the other things I kind of want to I want to ask is um, we all for for decades now, right? We've defined service levels in our applications, our our the the things we provide to the business, right? Um, gold level, platinum level, silver level. Right, and often those levels are those requirements are driven by the customer, right? By the end user, by the business unit. This is absolutely must be up all the time. Everybody accesses it. We use it all the time. How much of that is? How how much of that are you looking at, and how much of that is true if you are looking at it? Because now oh. I think is a really good time to look at it, and I think it's always been a lie. Great, right? you know, it's a, it's a great question. Um, what I look for now. Because, it, 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 you know, those SLAs across those, those tech stacks are continue to do what they're needing to do. Your ERP systems are solid. Your email is solid. Everything else is solid. To really, truly answer your question, the amount of time I probably spent looking at that in the last six weeks is probably very close to, if not zero. What I look at, and that's being quite honest, because there's just the trust that's developed that that's running. What I'm focused on is, IT service responsiveness sure. uptime. Are we 99.9% .9 ready to answer that call when it comes in? But as an after action item, and maybe it, maybe it gets moved to an after action, it'd be a good idea to look at those logs for application accessibility, right? How many users, what mm -hmm. concurrency did that have? What was the log on, log off, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. Because before people would log, get, in, get in in the morning, they'd log into the five applications they use and they just stay logged in all the time. Right. Easy, right. I'm connected. Yeah. Now right. they don't really have the ability to do that. They go to lunch, the VPN times out, they come back, they don't really reconnect to those things even if the window's open. Yeah. It'd be a really good time to look at that and go yeah. and go back and challenge yeah. and go, look, we've been providing platinum level service on this thing. Don't need For six it. weeks, three users used it, we're downgrading you to silver. Yeah, <laughs> right. right, absolutely. Let's, we, we have to be responsible, right? Our, yeah. our budget is going to shift. Anyone that's not looking at this going back to their board and going, look, I don't care what budget, like how I had the, the budget defined for 2020. I'm not asking you to change the dollar amount, but we're going to change the allocation. Right. I think it's crazy because ultimately this shift is changing how we're spending money, where we're spending money, what we're doing with it, right? What that, the list of top priorities is and should be and will be. Kind of to your point, we need to change how we spend our, our uh, security budget for sure. Right? How that posture yeah. looks, what we do for education, right? What zero trust means for us. I think all of that needs to change. Yep. And now is a really good time to, to think about it. Maybe we don't invest a lot of time, but start making notes and go, hey, look, do we have the ability to audit this for 90 days? If not, let's make sure we can audit this for 90 days because we want to look at this after things calm down a little bit.
I think your board presentation, which will include both cybersecurity and BCD, will be very different this quarter than it was last quarter. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Different Carlos? focus. So it's been an awesome time with all of you guys. So before we close, I know that we have discussed about how through a pandemic we become more practical, what goes really into being mission critical. If in under one minute, you can say to another leader, what should be something that their people should focus or learn so they can continue through this process and get out better? What will that be in under one minute, each one of them? What will that be? I'll start and then Praveen can uh, finish up after Howard. So to me, it's still about people. It's still a people-centric perspective. And it's either people in terms of things they do or people in terms of the communication you provide or people in terms of the communication and collaboration they have between each other, you still have to encourage that to occur. You have to encourage their growth, you have to encourage their working style, you have to encourage their family, uh, and you have to encourage still um, creating value for the organization as one of their, their primary goals. Howard? So um, Simon Sinek said it best. Simon Sinek said, a leader has the people, the boss has the title. Start identifying who the leaders are. And if you don't feel that you're being a leader, step up and be a leader. Lead your people to a future that is different. Focus on the customer and encourage and support your people in any downtime that they have. Don't try to fill it. Give them the ability to educate. Give them the ability to learn. Give them the ability to accelerate. And start really identifying those leaders. And then the last thing is really start putting together a list of these are the after action items that we need to focus on. And these are the as action items. What did I learn yesterday that I comply for tomorrow? Because this isn't going away quickly. This isn't going to be over in two weeks. It's just going to change and evolve again in two weeks. Right? So, so those would be the things that I would do right now today and kind of how I would change my thinking. Praveen? I have to go three for three here. I mean, people, right? Uh, our greatest asset. It's got to start there. Um, and building on what Howard said, it's, it's maintain that list of learnings because when we're out of this for however long it takes, uh, it's what are we going to change uh, going forward to make this and, and as another situation may happen. Oh, God forbid that this one happens again. But we have to instill that, um, I would call it the, the resilient and agile mindset in those people too as well. Well, there you have it, my friends. How to go and being practical when you're going through a pandemic or a crisis. So my friends, it's been awesome to have you here with us today. Make sure that you subscribe, you share, and you leave us a comment so we can continue growing and sharing with other IT leaders how to really have success on the IT world. We'll see you on our next podcast. See you soon.